Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's a right answer to that. I think it, it's very it's very case-by-case case basis. Like for us, you know, we've noticed that it's getting more competitive on Facebook for our products and for the, the SKUs that are working online. So that plus the election is here, like new fees are clogged up. There's a lot of ad money being spent. We felt like this is the time to go hard and try to get in stores and diversify. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance so I started something I mean I think that counts as from poop to gold <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge yes we are sponsoring our own show yes we are <laughs> welcome back to from poop to gold I'm Benton Crane your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers today I'm joined by Brandon Libel okay. <laughs> thanks for having me perfect so Brandon is the CEO and co-founder of SandCloud not sound cloud, but sand cloud, as in beach sand. Sand cloud is an apparel and lifestyle brand with the goal to help marine environment, basically to save the fishies, right, Brandon? Yeah, that is, that's correct. We're pretty much like the, uh, the, the we're trying to become like the Tommy Bahama of sustainability with a nonprofit that we donate to that are, uh, you know, saving marine life and protecting our environment. How did sand cloud happen? So it happened uh, back in Pretty much back in 2013 is when the initial concept was born. Me and my uh, college roommate, we graduated together. We actually got our first job together at an insurance company in San Diego, and we lived right on the beach. And every day we'd go to the beach and, and hang out with friends. And one day we had an idea to put a beach towel, to combine a beach towel with a pillow. And we thought like this was, you know, a million dollar idea and something that we had to had to pursue. So. We, we got a few towels and pillows from overseas. We stitched them together ourselves. We filled them with friends. And we just walked the beaches and literally just grassroots built a, an organic following on social media around this one pillow towel that we called the Sand Cloud. And from there, we launched the brand and developed a community of people that identified with our mission. And that enabled us to come out with other products and uh, pretty much get to where we are today. Now, if I understand correctly, part of that launch was... A visit to Shark Tank, correct? Well, Shark Tank came in 2016, so yeah, that was a a big point for us. You know, it was probably the best PR you could possibly get, getting in front of millions of viewers. Um, so yeah, it was it was a process. It was it was exhilarating, and we got to deal with Robert Hershevik. So Shark Tank was uh, was definitely a you know something to talk about to uh, you know to get more PR as well. Okay, we're going to come back to that because I know our listeners want to hear some behind the scenes uh, insights from somebody who's been through Shark Tank. Uh, but before we do, I want to talk about you, Brandon. I want to talk about your personal journey. Of course, you know this is the Poop to Gold podcast, so we're looking to uncover your poop to gold journey and the obstacles that you've overcome to get to where you're at today. So um, let, let's go back to uh, let, let's go back to your early years. Did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur when you were growing up, or is this something that happened more recently? Um, well, growing up, I definitely I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. That that word wasn't really a word that was thrown around in my family. It was more um, I was even, I, I knew that I didn't want to work behind a desk. I knew that I, I wasn't cut out for you know the corporate world and the and the nine to five um, lifestyle. I grew up with a dad who was all about security and and uh, being safe and, and having a steady paycheck. And I grew up with a mom whose family was. Uh, Persian immigrants who were all about business and the entrepreneur life and, you know, saying no to corporate America. So 
I kind of had both sides of the coin and I was heavily influenced mostly by my mom's side going to visit their antique shops in New York, seeing my uncles wheeling and dealing. And, and just, I think that's what ultimately made me want to work for myself and try to create something for myself rather than the traditional route. Got it. So what was that like? Um, so you grew up in New York, correct? Yes, Long Island. Okay. What what was that like? Let's talk about your mom's side of the family where you're watching, you know, the, the wheeling and the dealing, so to speak. Uh, what did that feel like? Did that light a fire inside of you? It it did. And it, I mean, it was more that I was, because I was really young when I used to come into the city. Like I, growing up, growing up on Long Island, New York City is a train ride away about 50 minutes. And it's kind of like, uh, it, it's like a crazy land that when you're a child, you know, 10, 11 years old, it's like you want to go to the city and get exposed to all the craziness. So luckily I had cousins that were older than me that lived in the city that I would, my parents would let me take the train in and hang out with them. And, and their dad was, you know, the one who owned the antique business and his, he had five brothers and they all were entrepreneurs and in antiques and, and rugs. And I think just being exposed to the craziness in New York and having that be kind of like the center of it all was just something that kind of made me really excited to, to keep coming in and keep being around it. So I just wanted to be around it. So it wasn't more like, oh, yeah, you know, be an entrepreneur, you know, go to business school. It was more just being associating my experiences as a kid coming into the city with my cousins and, you know, the, the wacky Persian, you know, way of wheeling and dealing antiques just, I think, was ingrained in me. So tell us about the journey that took you from that kid to becoming the co-founder of SandCloud. Yeah, so I graduated high school, went to college in San Diego. Um, I picked San Diego because I grew up also visiting my other relatives in LA once a year and getting exposed to California, it's, it's pretty intoxicating. So I was, you know, in love with the Southern California lifestyle. I told my parents in eighth grade, I'm like, I want to go to California. That's where I belong. So I always knew like, deep down I was going to go to California for college. So I applied to San Diego State. Um, and got in. That was the only California school I actually applied to, and I, I decided to go. So I went. I had a great time, normal college experience, was in a fraternity. Um, I worked for the school as an event planner, helped book some concerts, and uh, and had a normal college experience. And I never really being starting a business was never a thought during college. I just knew it wasn't that I knew what I was going to do. I just knew that I wasn't going to go work in, a, in an office and do the traditional route. Right. But after I graduated, obviously, you need money. I had student loans. So I got a job at a, at a company in San Diego selling insurance over the phone. It was kind of like, I tell people it was, it was kind of like office space and workaholics had a baby. That was my job. <laughs> and I worked there with like seven of my best friends. We all worked there on the same floor, we're all like high-fiving and just like having a time. But after like a few months, you know, the, the adrenaline wears off and you realize, okay, like, okay, I'm an adult now, like, what do I want to do? And that's around the same time that we had the idea for the pillow towel. And we're like, let's, let's go for it. Why not? Let's see what we can do. This is the time of our life where we have the least amount of overhead. We can take the highest amount of risk. We can move in together. We can cut our expenses and take a shot. And luckily we had support from our parents. So we, uh, we did it. What, uh, what's been the most challenging part of it? Of business? Of, sand, of launching SandCloud. I mean, honestly, it's, it's obviously, as you probably know, it's, you know, just being able to grow online with increasing customer acquisition costs, um, especially for a native D2C brand when you don't have distribution channels built out aside from directly to the consumer online, you know, as things increase and become very, very competitive, 
it's hard to, to be profitable and it's almost impossible when, you know, you don't have these other revenue streams coming in. So that's a big focus of ours now is building these other revenue streams, trying to diversify. So that's been a challenge because it's kind of starting a new business. It's like starting a, it's like using a new, new part of your brain where we've been programmed to just be like, yeah, we're just going to build, build it online. You know, forget wholesale. We don't need it. To now, it's like, okay, we need wholesale. Like, how do we do it? Let's learn this this part of the business. So let's uh, for our listeners, let's let's talk a little bit about um, channels, right? So you, you've got brands like, uh, let's say, Allbirds, for instance. You know, innovative shoe brand. They launch online only, and so in the beginning, their only distribution channel is their website. And and then you can you contrast that with you know, say, more traditional brands like a Nike or an Adidas. Where where you know the their history has been that they've done all their distribution through retail, and um, in recent years the two different worlds are kind of trying to blend and become each other. So Allbirds is trying to establish retail presence, while you know the Nikes and Adidas's of the world are trying to establish e-commerce. Uh, uh, presence, right? So from your perspective, starting starting out as a brand that is e-commerce only, and then trying to build out other distribution channels, like you mentioned. So for instance, um, I, I think you said you've, you have a retail shop in San Diego. Do you have any others? No, and it's not even really, it's more like a, a little storefront that we share with a, a friend that owns a business. Um, it's mostly for storage. It's a little base where we send people to in San Diego if they want to buy something, but it's not really a flagship store. Oh, gotcha. So, so, so you're still primarily e-commerce. Oh yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, so when you talk about um, other channels, you're you're meaning other other online channels. Well, when I say other channels, I'm I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about, you know, getting into retail, getting into specialty stores that align with our brands. For example, we just got a purchase order from Tilly's, you know, a test order. They're like an ideal retailer for SandCloud because they're on brand, they're on mission, and they're a highly respected retail chain. So getting more of those. So talk talk us through the challenges of going from, um, you know, e-commerce only to getting a retail presence with these various different retailers who you're seeking partnerships with. Yeah, it's just, it's really, the biggest challenge is getting in front of them. It's getting, finding sales reps that have the relationships and, you know, planning out your seasons and your products, you know, in time so that you can get on track with the ordering cycle and staying ahead of the seasons and, that's really the biggest challenge is getting in front of the retailers and having the right connection to get into the right buyer because these stores, they have so many buyers in, in every different category that if, if you don't get into the buyer, if you don't get in front of the buyer that that's for your product, it's kind of a waste of time. You, you need to get in front of that buyer. So luckily we've built the brand, you know, we have brand equity that we are able to get the meetings and it's just taking time to build, but yep. I'm very confident that it will become a, a, big cha- a big channel for us eventually. But like I said, the challenge is just getting in front of the right box. Right. So it's not enough to just have, you know, great products and a great brand. You also have to uh, very actively be networking and meeting the right people to get you oh, in yeah. front of the right buyers. Yeah. Like, I, like for example, in, um, in January, I went down to the Surf Expo for four days just to scout sales reps. Like I didn't have a booth. We weren't selling anything. I just went down to, to network and try to meet sales reps. And I met a few that are that are pretty good in the industry and they're already bringing in orders. So it's just, it's more of a grind. It's not as easy, you know, everything, nothing is easy, but 
for e-com, you kind of just throw up Facebook ads, you you try to acquire email addresses, you build funnels, you try to maximize conversions, and you do that all behind a desk. You can do that in your bed, in your in your bedroom. But for building a wholesale program, you need to kind of get out there. You need to get on the street. You need to meet the buyers face to face, shake their hands, give them samples. It's just a whole different business. Yeah. But it, it's nice to round out, you know, round it out and become more well-rounded. Now, at what stage do you feel like it's the right point for an entrepreneur to start thinking, okay, I have an e-com presence. I have a level of success in e-commerce. Now it's time to start thinking about offline, time to start thinking about retail. What, what would you say that point is? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's a right or I don't think there's a really a right answer to that. I think it, it's very, it's very case by case basis. Like for us, you know, it's as, you know, we've noticed that it's getting more competitive on Facebook for our products and for the, the SKUs that are working online. So that plus it's, you know, the election is here, like new fees are clogged up. There's a lot of ad money being spent. We felt like this is the time to go hard and try to get into stores and diversify. But if I was starting from scratch, like tomorrow with a new brand, I would try to start that a little earlier. I would try to start that, you know, as I'm building the brand online and I have some traction and I'm getting some sales, I would try to develop wholesale in year one. To talk us through your reasoning, why, why would you go earlier on that? Just because I think it'd be, I think that they work together. So I think that if you have a good product and you have a good brand and you can, you can network and get in front of buyers and you have a compelling story that if you get into stores and you have e-com running, they will both perform better because it's kind of full circle. It's just more impressions in stores than they see you online. It just, that's what I think. But I, like I said, it, I think it's totally case by case. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Like Allbirds, Allbirds built a $100 million brand just online, you know? So. Yep. It's, which is becoming increasingly more hard to do um, yep. as, you know, the bigger brands are starting to shift a lot more of their marketing budgets to online. It's becoming much more competitive than, you know, than in years past. Uh, so, so I hear where you're coming from. There's, without a doubt, there are synergies that happen when you have an online and an offline presence. Um, I know one of our clients, FiberFix, um, their strategy was both online and offline, and the two uh, lifted each other in amazing ways and, and created a, a, a great brand success where FiberFix ended up getting acquired by, um, who was it? JB Weld. JB Weld acquired FiberFix. So. Well, cool, Brandon. Let's uh, let's shift back really quick. I want to be super sensitive of your uh, of your time. I know you're a very busy man, but I'd love for you to talk to our listeners about SandCloud and what um, uh, you know. What are some of the unique things that make you guys really special? And why should our listeners be following you guys and paying attention to what you're up to? Yeah, I think that. What makes us special really is just the core DNA of our brand. We were founded by three friends on the beach of San Diego. We never raised money. We bootstrapped this whole thing. Um, and we are passionate about a cause that is worldwide and everybody should care about, which is, you know, the environment, which is marine life, which is our ocean and plastic and stopping plastic pollution. So our products are all made with sustainability in mind from sourcing to creation, working with the right vendors to using as minimum, as little plastic as possible, pretty much none and trying to, you know, market in funny and creative ways that, you know, people respond to. So, you know, our, our mission is to really be like the, the Tommy Bahama sustainability and create a beach lifestyle that we're also expanding into the home and 
Uh, we want to be, you know, like, you know, the, the Patagonia beach leisure and home where you don't have to be climbing mountains to, to feel like you're living a sustainable, eco-friendly life. You can just be at the beach. You could just be at home. And we want to be the brand that, you know, carries the weight there. Where, uh, where should our listeners follow you and where should they follow SandCloud? So SandCloud is on Instagram, just sand, just type in SandCloud and we'll pop up sand underscore cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm not that interesting to follow, but if, 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 if anyone wants to follow me, just Brandon.Libel on Instagram. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, we appreciate all the support from everybody and we're still a small company, you know, excited to do some big things. So. Any, uh, so, any little sneak peeks that are, uh, anything's coming down the pipeline that you'd like to give a sneak peek to our listeners? Um, we are working. So on March 1st, we're launching a whole new towel collection for spring. We're going to be in Tilly's in select stores. Um, they just received products. So I, I think we're, we should be on the floor within a few weeks. So if you see us in Tilly's and you buy a towel, that's much appreciated. Um, and then summer, we have a new collection of summer towels coming out. Everything's organic. So, you know, no pesticides, saving water. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Once March comes, it's really beach season for us. We focus on, on the beach. So trying to work on accessories, potentially umbrellas and chairs. But yeah, it's really just, uh, it's really just the towels that are, that are heading, heading in very soon. Okay, one final question for you, Brandon. Um, there, was, there was something about your past that we didn't touch on earlier, and that's the fact that you studied film. Um, that, that's very pertinent to our audience because we have, uh, uh, many of our listeners are aspiring filmmakers, um, while others are aspiring entrepreneurs, and you have some experience in both. So I want to hear, um, wh- what are your thoughts on how those two worlds have blended together for you and how that background has kind of shaped how you think about business and film? Yeah, I, so yeah, I, I studied film in college and my, my initial passion was to go to LA, try to break in and, you know, do something creative because that's naturally I'm, I'm very into creativity and telling stories. And, and when we first started the company, you know, we'll, I'll back up a second. I did, I went to LA, I, I, I interned, wasn't really for me. Um, so I decided to stay in San Diego and we started SandCloud and having a background in film and being someone that is all about ideas and putting it on paper and trying to, you know, film stuff as a creative outlet, I was able to kind of combine the two forces and, you know, everything from the early days, video wise, me and my business partners, we scripted ourselves. You know, we even kind of, we were inspired by you guys, you know, the Harmon brothers and, and the amazing work that you do that, you know, we tried to become our own little production company in house. And we've created some videos that have upwards of 10 million views on YouTube. And I think that are, are pretty well done. So, yeah, you know, it's, you can, you can use business as a creative outlet because everything is so digital now and everything is so content based that you can, like, you guys have done it. You know, you, you guys are entrepreneurs and you are a, a production company. So I think anyone that's studying film that, I want to start a business. There is definitely a lot of synergy there. Yeah. One, one thing I love to tell creatives, you know, and this applies to, you know, comedians, writers, filmmakers, you know, pretty much any creative. I feel like for them to, to really live out their passion and to find success, they've got to get in tons and tons of reps and, um, and get the opportunity to, you know, practice their craft over and over and over again to become masters. And, and I feel like business 
provides so many opportunities to get those reps in. And, and I think that's where the, the blend between the creative worlds and the business worlds makes so much sense. Because why not have a business that can, uh, you know, not just provide you opportunities, but can also fund those opportunities for you to, to really hone your craft and practice, uh, you know, practice what you're passionate at. And, and someday, you know, that, that, that can open up amazing doors for artists. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And we still are involved in the creative process of, you know, scripting ideas and storyboarding concepts for our brand. Because at the end of the day, it's, your, it's our brand and we're the most passionate about it. And if we can take our creativity that, uh, you know, channel it to try to sell a product, to try to try to cultivate a, a following, you know, then that's, then the product's going to be the best, the best it can be. Yep. I love it. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. It's been a pleasure getting to know you better. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And next time when you're in New York, let me know. We'll try to grab a coffee or something. Absolutely. And for our listeners, make sure to like and share and subscribe. And we'll see you on the next one. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Uh-huh. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from, okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. You actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.